You know, it always cracks me up how when a radio station is kind of new to area, it'll say like, Birmingham's new home for country music. But like, that'll be their promo for like five years or seven years because they know we love new things. In fact, have you ever noticed how many things say new when you go to the grocery store? We're gonna see if we can find some things that say new. King's Hawaiian pretzel buns. If it's King's Hawaiian, not anything King's Hawaiian. New, new, new. There's a lot in the candy world that's new. New look. New. So check, check this out right here. It's not even a new product. It's just a new look. New color. This is New Snuggle Exhilaration's Lavender and Vanilla Orchid. So, th this does not say new, but it is new. They've recently come out. Somebody had a new idea. Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. Someone thought this was a good idea, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Check this out. New look, same intensity. That took you a second, right? You're like, I gotta read that, then everybody laughed. So I wanna see do we have anyone brave enough to drink a flaming hot Mountain Dew? Who's brave? All right, one right here. I got two and one right there. Th this is oxymoron. I have, you've got to come up here, an ice-cold, flaming hot Mountain Dew. Yeah, I mean, you've got to do it in front of God and everybody. <laughs> come on up. Come on. Come on. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, you're going to crack that open and take your first swig on the camera. There you go. Have you ever had one of these? Okay. Do it. That's really good. That's what he said. That's really good. Well, you get to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I am generally a sucker for um, any kind of new Mountain Dew flavor, but I think I'll pass on that one. You know, it's interesting. We have a bias toward and we love all things new. I mean, there's nothing more exhilarated than moving into a new house. Or getting, maybe you've got an old house, but you get a new kitchen in that house. Right? Anybody want a new kitchen? Yeah. We, we love new things. A, a new shirt, new shoes, a new tool a new purse, there, there is nothing like shaving with a new razor, right? There's nothing that feels quite like a new pair of socks. We love new things. And come on, if you had more money, 
you would just buy more new things or go on more new trips so you could have more new experiences. We love new restaurants. We love to go see new movies. We love new things. Now, I'm not, you know, listen, I'm sure you've got like uh, a, a favorite pair of jeans, a favorite old shirt, a favorite old chair, but, but come on, we love new things. There's something about new. New cars? They even have a smell, right? We love, we love new things. And yet there are two things that cause a lot of heartache, pain, worry, stress, because we can't make them new. They're getting old. And we, we can't quite seem to figure out what to do about it, but the reality that these two things are getting old calls us a lot of fear. And these two things that we can't seem to fix that are aging is us and the earth. Like there's something, we can't do anything about it. Every day we're getting older. You ever heard someone say, this is a picture of me when I was younger? They all are. right? (laughs) Because every second, every moment, we are getting older. Now, we are better at this than we used to be. The life expectancy now is 79 years old. 50 years ago, it was 71. Maybe 50 years from now, it will be 87. We keep getting better, and we'll keep uh, improving on this. But Father Time is undefeated. Now the earth, that's a, that's a whole other thing, right? That's a whole other issue. We have all begun to realize the limitations of our planet. There's only so much population and progress it can take. There are only so many resources that it has. And isn't it interesting that Hollywood is kind of trying to solve this or address this. Almost every sci-fi movie has these themes that we're trying to transfer our uh, consciousness to a new body or to an AI, to an artificial intelligence. And if they're not about that, then they're about the quest to find another planet for us to live on in the future when we use up the resources of this planet. We're getting older the earth is getting older, and there's nothing we can do about it. And we know it. But Jesus' defeat of death and his victory over sin in the cross and his place as champion over evil, well, when it's all said and done, we'll do something about the two things that we can't seem to fix. Jesus has promised for the earth and for you He's promised to make them new. Now, speaking of new, if you're brand new here to Mountaintop, uh, Ben mentioned earlier, thanks so much for coming. 
I'd love for you to go back and watch. We've been on this series following up Easter for about the last five weeks talking about what it means that Jesus is our champion, that he has defeated death. And today, we're going to kind of finish that series up. It's, it's been about this eternal perspective that we should have toward the circumstances that we live in every day because Jesus has promised us this eternal victory. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that the Holy Spirit is present with us now. I believe that we can find redemption in our new identity in Christ. Uh, I believe that God's grace now can give us freedom in, over sin and shame. So I don't want you to hear today that it's just all about the sweet by and by. That's what I grew up singing about in church. That everything will just get fixed in the sweet by and by. I don't want you to think about that it's just about the sweet by and by. In fact, by the end of our time today, I, wanna, I, I hope to be able to show you that God's promise for tomorrow can shape our today. In fact, God's promise for tomorrow should shape our today. But I'm concerned, I'm concerned about a message that I keep hearing in the modern evangelical church. And that's really became kind of the, the launching pad for this, this series. And what I'm talking about is something that, this may be a new terminology for you, it's called prosperity theology. Now, that, that may be like a really churchy, real, but really, this prosperity theology is this idea that if I will believe the right things, if I will be faithful to God, that he will bless me, I will prosper in this life. And that if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not experiencing the, those blessings, if I'm not experiencing, then I just haven't had the right theology. I haven't prayed hard enough. I'm not being obedient enough. I'm not being good enough. And that's just evidence. That, and so, but if you were, when you see somebody that's rich, that's evidence that God has blessed them. And 20 or 30 years ago, this seemed to all be about money. That if you just, if you gave to the church, that God would bless you financially. If you were obedient with your money, God would make you rich. And now it seems to be about um, kind of earthly circumstances. It seems to be about if you'll just pray hard enough, God will reconcile that relationship. He'll heal that marriage or that relationship with an adult son or daughter or with your parents. Or if you'll pray hard enough, then, uh, then you'll find the physical healing or your family will. That if you'll just do the right things, if you just have the right theology with God, then you'll prosper. And I think this is really dangerous. And we need to be really careful. Because our experience tells us otherwise. God can heal cancer. We've seen it. We saw some champions earlier this morning. But sometimes he doesn't. God can give freedom from mental illness and addiction. But not everyone wins that battle. No matter how hard they pray or how hard their family prays. And, and my concern, my concern is that we can build a faith that hinges on that promise and it's the wrong promise. Eventually, eventually, we are going to get old. 
eventually cancer or Alzheimer's or heart disease or age will just win. And God has never promised that he would stop this process, that he would fix this reality that we all ever. God has never promised that he would reverse Father Time. Instead, he's given us a better promise. God has promised that one day he'll make us new. It's a much better promise. So I thought we would end this series by looking at the final promise in the final book about our champion. It's the very last book of the Bible. So if you want to open up, it's called the book of Revelation. And we're going to be toward the end in chapter 20 and 21, kind of the end of 20 and beginning of 21. If you don't have a hard copy Bible and you're in the room, we'd love for you to take one at the bookshelves when you leave. If you're sitting there, uh, wherever you're at watching online, love for you to open up your app or your Bible there to Revelation 20. Now, Revelation is, uh, it just sort of means what the word means. It's a revealing. When something is, we've had a revelation, something has been revealed. It is a revealing that God gave to the Apostle John about the way things would be at the end of things. John kind of has an interesting story. He is the one disciple of Jesus who was not killed for his faith, not for lack of trying. They tried to kill John. He survived a few attempts of to be killed for his faith. So he was exiled to an island where Jesus came to visit him to give him a vision of the way things would be when it's all completed, when it's all said and done. Now, there, are, there is no other book in the Bible like Revelation. There are a few others. It is what we call an apocalyptic book. There are a few others that have some apocalyptic sections. But Revelation is like all apocalypse. It is like 22 chapters of the end of the world, the end of times. And if you go home and read the whole thing this week, I want to just tell you, there is some imagery and metaphors in there that no one quite understands. There are some prophecies in there that none of us can quite wrap our heads around exactly what they mean. But this section in chapter 20 and 21 about the very end of things is crystal clear. So listen to what it says in Revelation 20, verse 11, starting off. So this is like what John is saying that Jesus has given him this vision of what is. So these are John's words of what he sees. Then I saw... A great white throne, and him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. So John sees God. This is the vision that he's got. He sees God, and when it's all said and done, even heaven and earth can't be in God's presence. What does that mean? We're going to get to more of that in a minute. But listen to the next verse. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. This is like so vague. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. So already my curiosity is like, whoa, 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 what's in the books? And another book, which is the book of life. 
the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Okay, this is a lot to take in. So apparently, at the very end, there's going to be a lot of books. And apparently, everything that you have ever done is written in these books. This is not good. Uh, Lord, do you have the uh, 94 and 95 version? Because that was when I was 17 or 18. I was at peak stupidity then. Do you have that? Oh, good. yes. Um, that's the thick one. I see that. Yes. A little thicker than the others. This, this is not good. So th there are all these books that are going to be all about, they're going to bring out the books. But thank God, there is another book that's brought out. And it's called The Book of Life. What's in that book? What's in the book of life? If all our deeds are in the other books. So John's going to tell us in a minute why this book is so important. But listen to this next verse. The sea is kind of more of the same. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. So every person who has ever lived and died, every person who has ever existed has come before, and now they have all been judged according to what is written in the books. Then the next verse, listen to what it says. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. This is an, an important point. Everything is going to die. This life is going to come to an end. This life, this existence, the way that you breathe air in your lungs right now and the way that we move and act every day, this existence is going to come to an end. Jesus might come back before you physically die on this earth, but your existence here, it is going to end. Everything is going to die. It, there is a first death for everything and everyone. And there is no promise that we are going to somehow avoid it. But the next, the next verse offers a promise about that other book. Anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Well, I want to be in this book. How do I get in that book? I mean, if, if my name has to be written in this book to get into the book of life, I, I want to be in this book. How do I get in this book? Isn't it interesting that these books have deeds, but this book only has names? Hey, listen, the devil wants to call you by your deeds, but God wants to call you by your name. 
I want to get in this book. How do you get in the book of life? You get in the book of life, it is simply all of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have confessed their sins, who have trusted in Christ's death on the cross for their forgiveness in his resurrection for victory over sin and death. This is a book of people who follow Jesus. That's simply it. This is why we invite people to follow Jesus. This is why we want you to find your champion. We are not trying to push some kind of agenda on you, and the church does not want to control you. We have one message, and that is that we want all 8 billion people to be in this book because this is real because there is going to come a day when everything we have ever thought, said, done, thought about doing is before God and the all of creation, and this is the choice that you can have, is that you can, you can be judged by what you've done or what Jesus did. But you will be judged, and I will be judged. You can be judged by what you've done or what Jesus did. And when you come to faith in Christ, when you trust Christ as your Savior, when you make the decision that I want to follow Jesus and I don't get it right all the time, your name gets written in the book. And at the final judgment, the devil will be over there and he'll be like, well, God, don't you remember, uh-uh. Listen, when they were 17 and on their second date, was well, so you know who, and then they went there and, there's a, and Jesus is like, they're in the book. And the devil's like, well, in their first marriage, they went to did it is, and the, oh, let me do it. And then they did this, and Jesus says, they're in the book. Well, you won't believe what they thought about somebody that there was their coworker, and they said some nasty words in their head about them. And they, they don't deserve it. It's all written here, and you know what Jesus says? It's where? It's in the book. And I think, you know what I think happens then? When Satan goes back about the third or fourth time, all the books are blank. Because it's all just wiped away. You can be judged at the end of time by what you've done and is written in those books or by what Jesus did and put your name in the one book. So then... God gives a vision of what will happen to all creation. Listen to what it says in the next verse. And let's go, this is, starts in verse 21, in a chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So when you die, this is pretty radical, you may not know this, you are not going to heaven to live forever because that heaven will not last forever. There is going to be a new heaven. Oh, and the problem that we have about the earth, no problem at all. God's going to create a new one. I wonder if they have that new heaven and new earth smell. I saw the holy city and the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice, listen to these words, from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
in that place, in that new heaven and earth, you will never ever have to wonder where God is. You will never have to be lonely or afraid or feel unaccepted or excluded. You will always be welcome. You will know exactly where to find God. You will not get on your knees and cry out to God and wonder if he's listening because God will be present with us in that place, our relationship with God, we will prosper in every sense of the word. It is in that experience, in that world, that we will have everything we ever hoped for in this world. Because in that world, where God is with us, and he's our God, and we're his people, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Every tear shed in Texas and Birmingham this week. There will be no more death. There will be no more beaches of Normandy. No more Vietnam. No more Korea. No more desert storm. No more Afghanistan. No more Iraq. No more Ukraine, no more Columbine, no more Sandy Hook, no more Buffalo, no more Uvalde, Texas, no more Hurricane Katrina, no more Hurricane Hugo, no more Hurricane Andrew, no more COVID, and no more cancer, no more death. Or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It's gone. It's no more. Friends, there is no promise of pain, or hurt, or heartache, or mourning, or crying, or death not being a part of this life, but there is absolutely a promise of a world where there is no mourning, no death, no crying, no pain. Everything we want now is promised then. You have thought to yourself this week, it is not supposed to be this way. You have said that under your breath. You have said that in your mind. You have cried that out to God this week as you watched the news and heard of the horrors that came out of our country a few states away. It's not supposed to be that way. It's not going to be that way. Everything we want now is promised then. But when we try to impose the promises of then on now, we can really hurt people. We can really damage faith when we build a faith telling people if they just believe the right things that they'll get this now, that they will prosper now because the promise isn't for now, it's for then. And man, I wish I could convince you of this. I wish I could do this. I could sell a lot of books and draw a crowd, couldn't I? But you'd know it was a lie the next Buffalo or the next Uvalde or the next time you hurt, you mourn, or you cry. That's why God closes this whole thing out with a better promise, one that we can trust. It says this, He 
who was sitting, seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. Write this down. That's, you're, we're reading this because John wrote it down. Hey, John, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. We long for a world that would be better. We hope in our prayers that God will make our marriages better, our finances better, our families better, our schools better. We long for a world where our health would be better. But God's promise has never been that he will make things better. It is that he will make things new. That's the promise of God. Now, it is a fair question to go, if this is true and there is no promise that God is going to move in this earth to make things better now, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. We don't know his ways. And the promise is that he's just going to make things new one day. <clears throat> and like, what do I do right now? I mean, what do I do now? Do I just live it up? Right? Or do I just suffer? Or do I just wait it out? Is that why we write songs about the sweet by and by? No, there, there's something that can be done now. The promise of our champion is that this newness that has begun, that, that will be completed in us one day, can begin this day. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. So then, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a follower of Jesus, if you're right here in your, your heart right now, you say, like, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, that person is, a par is part of the new creation. In other words, the newness that Jesus is going to bring into completion at the end of times, he started with you when you got saved. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arisen. You will one day, you will one day get a new body and new knees, hallelujah, and new eyes. Come on, I won't have to wear glasses. You're going to one day get all those. But right now, you can have a new heart, a new spirit, a new future, and a new beginning. Here's what God wants to tell you. God's promise for the new that's next can make you new now. God's promise for the new that's next, the new that happens in the next world, in the next life, can make you new now. If you lean into the promise of our champion who has defeated sin, you can taste the sweet victory of his freedom in this life. And if we believe what God is going to do in the next life, then our vision for the future should shape our present because we are new already if there is a kingdom in which we are made new then we bring the kingdom of earth when we hand old habits to the king if there is a kingdom where darkness is defeated then we bring the kingdom of earth to earth when we shine light into the darkness if there's a kingdom where sins are ultimately forgiven then we bring the kingdom of earth when we live in freedom from the bondage of our past 
If there is a kingdom where black and white and Asian and Hispanic and followers of Jesus from every nation and tribe are unified before the king, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we break down racial barriers in our unity in Christ. If there is a kingdom where there are no more tears, then we bring the kingdom of earth to earth when we love the hurting and bring healing to the hopeless. If there is a kingdom where the poor live in mansions built by the Father, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we work for justice for the poor. If there is a kingdom where we are pure before God, then we bring the kingdom to earth. Then we bring the kingdom to earth when we are sanctified here in this life. If there is a kingdom where our sexual brokenness finds wholeness, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we embrace his sexual ethic. If there is a kingdom where grace triumphs over judgment, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we extend grace over those we could so easily judge. If there is a kingdom where the truth prevails, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we proclaim the truth. If there is a kingdom, brothers and sisters, where love wins, then we bring the kingdom of earth when we radically love our neighbors. And then, Jesus' prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done, would finally be answered. Isn't it funny how we pray to God for him to answer our prayers? And only we can answer Jesus's to bring his kingdom as his people to this earth. God's promise for the new this next can make you new now. If you let it. And I want to tell you something. If the church of Jesus Christ would live into our new creation identity, the world wouldn't be able to take its eyes off of us. After all, everybody loves new things. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the new that we can experience now. Lord, we we want to be new creation people. Lord, thank you for the victory that's coming and the promises of our hurt and pain that will go away. Lord, help us be part of your solution to make it go away in this place. Help us answer your prayer that your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it will one day in your heaven. In Jesus' name.